Welcome to your daily affirmations. Repeat after me, working with others is easier than ever. I strive for perfect collaboration. Our teamwork keeps getting better. Yeah, affirmations are great, but Monday.com can really get you the teamwork you desire. Work together easily and share files, updates, data, and just about anything you want all in one platform. Affirm yes to start. Or tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hello, I am Claire Madeline Culkin, your new host of the New Books Network. Today we are here with Leron Rosinski, the author of Freud, Psychoanalysis, and Death, published by Cambridge University Press in 2010. Um, so, Leron, I wanted to begin speaking with you today about the fact that although this work was published in 2010, this has come out of over a decades-long worth of work um, that began with your dissertation. Um, you introduced the book in the acknowledgement section by saying that you've been thinking for a very long time about existential questions that relate to, um, relate to you on a more personal level, uh, and that this led to a more professional kind of consideration and philosophical consideration about whether psychoanalytic and uh, philosophical and existential questions were the same thing. Can you speak a little bit to that point just to introduce the concept of the work and the subject matter to our listeners. Yeah, well, I, I just, hello, first, I just start by correcting it. It did just come out last year, actually. It's uh, 2013. Oh, I uh, apologize for that mistake. That must have been a typo. Yes, right. It's, um, it's the fruit of many years of um, thought and writing. And it is also true that it started out from more uh, personal uh, debates and concerns. Uh, specifically, there is a, a good friend of mine that we used to discuss a lot these matters, uh, both of us interested in uh, existential questions on the one hand and uh, psychoanalytic thought on the other hand. And I, I mean, I specifically remember one time when we we, we were uh, talking about kinds of conflict and etc. And I said, "Well, this is related to the acknowledgement of death." And he said something, "Well, you know, like uh, um, also the the Oedipal issues, uh, but this this is more or less the same thing." And I said, "No, it is not the same thing. I mean, it, it looks like the same thing. Maybe it is not the same thing. Uh, these uh, existential questions have um, have." Uh, they have the sort of uh, independence. I mean, people can be concerned about these questions without this reflecting uh, conflicts of a psychoanalytic nature. And uh, later on, when I was uh, studying clinical psychology, I couldn't help seeing how there is a constant narrowing down of what is considered the psychic world, what is considered the... Uh, um, what parts of our uh, much larger psychic life is 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 considered, let's say, interesting from a um, uh, dynamic point of view? And I and I always felt that there is something that is left out. I mean, there is a lot that is gained from this, and we can work with patients and everything, but there is a lot that is left out. Um, yeah, so uh, finally I, I ended up writing this book and uh, where, I, uh, where I try to address this problem in a much larger way and, uh, and, uh, and, and, uh, and inquire about the role of death and death anxiety and death-related concerns uh, 
in psychic life in general, but mostly in uh, psychonetic thought. Mm-hmm. Um, we learn in your book that, as although Freud writes a lot about death um, in many, many, many different ra- ways, from speaking about the death drive to speaking about um, differential responses to different kinds of losses, and even in our dreams, he breaks down um, how we dream different constructions of death. It's as though there's this bit of it that's always slipping away from his discourse. Um, it's as though he's talking himself out of having to talk about death, um, which yeah. you raise may have been um, a personal thing that kind of had implications for the way that this philosophical um, system of thought is organized. Um, I think that kind of speaks to this this conflict you were saying um, just a minute ago that psychoanalytic questions about death and existential questions about death are different in a really significant way. Would you be able to draw that out a little bit? Um, I just think that's yeah. a really interesting point. Well, um, I just, first, I, I just want to say just maybe uh, two more general sentences about the, what I was trying to do. Um, uh, I, I was uh, trying to to point uh, out a, a certain lacuna or 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 a, um, I don't know maybe a repression in psychonic thought and I think practice too um, with regard to death and I th- I think that uh, uh, death is uh, constantly left out of the of the picture uh, either it is uh, reduced to other issues mm-hmm. castration separation whatever. Uh, or it is uh, ignored altogether, or it is um, concretized, con- uh, or sexualized, or or um, aspects of it are forgotten, and it's uh, transformed. In but I mean, any any one of these um, effects uh, ends up in a, in, a, in just in leaving it in, out of the picture. And I just think that psychoanalysis is a as a as a um, as a theory of the of the human mind of the of the human being, just cannot live out something that is so uh, central. Now, uh, in Freud, uh, um, uh, my book is not just about Freud. It's, it starts with Freud, yes. but it's true that with Freud, um, th- there are uh, quite many places where he does discuss death, and then the question comes up whether this discussion of death uh, is. Um, sufficient, or let's say, or satisfying for uh, uh, for uh, for us to say that psychoanalysis, uh, beginning with Freud, does deal with that. And I think that it it, it isn't. It isn't. I mean, I, I, I there are many uh, very interesting thoughts about death, about the way people um, try to avoid thinking about death and uh, about the, the, the way that the transients renders our life more interesting uh, in a way. Uh, mostly I speak about two papers, Thought for the Times on War and Death and mm-hmm. on Trans, both published in 1915. But other than that, I think the, the, the general picture is that of uh, constantly pushing death out. And, uh, and uh, the things that Freud does say about death are many times uh, in, uh, uh, very explicit in rejecting it. Like yeah. Freud says yeah. that death cannot have a, an unconscious um, existence because it's abstract, because it involves time, because it's a, a form of negation, because you never experienced anything like it, and because 
whenever we attempt to think about death, we find out that we are still there as spectators. Yes. He says that fear of, he says that fear of death is uh, is uh, is always something else. Um, um, that it's a, a variation of uh, of castration anxiety, and um, and so it should be reduced to other things. And this position, um, this uh, reductive position has been echoed really uh, it's throughout psychoanalysis I mean uh, some of these uh, um, echoes are more uh, famous perhaps uh, there is a Fanishel in 45 saying that probably every fear of death covers other unconscious ideas I mean this is uh, he does say every so uh, yes. uh, and you have um, maybe Jones saying that uh, dread of death invariably proves clinically to be the expression of repressed death wishes against loved objects. So invariably proves. And uh, my concern was whether, I mean, I, I accept that sometimes this is the case, that behind something that looks like fear of death, there is something else. But I was asking myself whether, is it really so? Is, it, is fear of death never actually fear of death? I mean, does it have to be something else? Well, it has a very oppressive presence. Um, the, the concept of death itself, I think, is is very oppressive, um, and it has an oppressive presence within the within the whole of psychoanalytic thought. That I think, um, as you point out, kind of begins with Freud and is manifested on the level of the complication in thinking about something um, that is both concrete and fundamentally ethereal. Um, Freud, I think tends toward dealing with this issue by displacing it and getting around it. And as you say, reducing it. And the irony in that is that we're dealing with something very finite um, and very, and very concrete. Um, But yet that has something about it that doesn't really, that doesn't really touch on that level. Um, And so it, it manifests in all of these different displacements. Um, yeah, I, I agree. Uh, um, a sort of combination of being too abstract to ruminate and to think about and too concrete to... To really to, pin down. To, uh, this is something that I think um, if we if we think about this as being part of the problem, it we can think about it kind of um, in relationship to Freud as a, as a neurologist. Um, he... Or as a neuroscientist. He, he kind of his entire system of thought kind of came out of the limit of concrete reality and explaining something about human subjectivity. And I think this very essential, this very essential problematic that instigates the entire beginning of his system of thought um, kind of comes full circle in the problematic of, of dealing, dealing with death sort of towards the end of his theory, it just kind of circles and circles and circles in this way. Um, there was a point in the, um, in the book where you kind of give a definition of death, but before a definition, a definition of death in, in, in your eyes, um, before we kind of get towards there, would we be able to kind of just unpack your central thesis? Um, you organize Freud's consideration of death into two basic ways of thinking um, that are problematic in this way, similarly as the concrete and the abstract are two separate um, aspects of death and the reality of death that kind of un- undermine one another. Freud has two ways of thinking 
um, that also undermine one another in a way that kind of causes the concept of death to be displaced in all of these very bizarre ways. Um, would you be able to speak a little bit to that point to kind of introduce the readers to the main, the main argument in your book? Well, uh, yeah, well, uh, as I said, I think there is a, a, a sort of forgetfulness or repression uh, with regard to death in psychoanalysis in general. And this could be traced out from beginning of Freud uh, right uh, to uh, contemporary psychoanalysis, with exceptions, etc. But uh, this is the general point. I mean, just, okay, just to, 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 just to make my point, open up any psychoanalytic book on your shelf. You can do it now, okay? And just, you know, search the index. Search for death. Not death drive, not uh, <laughs> death of a specific person. Um, I kind of like, my, my bet is that you will not find it. Mm-hmm. You will not find it. And, uh, uh, and, and so basically a very fundamental aspect of human lives. People do think about death all the time, are concerned with it. It's part of the, even if we don't think concretely and explicitly about it, this is part of our lives. And I just think that uh, as long as psychoanalysis doesn't um, uh, address this uh, difficulty within the the theory, this uh, will uh, continue troubling it from the inside. I mean, there, was, there is nothing, there is something uh, problematic about the theory if it just leaves out something so fundamental and it still wants to be a theory of, of the human being. Now, well, uh, in Freud specifically, okay. Uh, I, I well, mean, I, I think just, I think a way to begin is just by saying that it, death is included in, in the theory. It's included in ways that are very complicated um, that raise interesting questions about human subjectivity. Um, I don't, I don't know that, you know, I I feel like it's possible that, um, if we kind of just assert this position that in the whole of psychoanalytic thought, there is no, death is not spoken about in a very, in, in a, in a very specific way that kind of allows a conversation to happen. We're going to come up against the same problem, um, you know, that we were speaking about a few minutes ago before we began this interview. Um, uh, this problem that I had in kind of approaching the interview, um, in a kind of organized fashion. Um, I can address that. I think, um, I mean, I, 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 I want to, okay. I, I want to say uh, something about Freud, but before that, I want to address what you just said. Sure. Uh, obviously what I just said is not true in the sense that there are many specific areas in psychoanalysis that where there is attention to death. And you can think about uh, work on suicide, on grief, on the severely ill, on the dying patient, on traumatic um, um, uh, uh, traumatic events, and maybe even, uh, you know, a Holocaust and stuff like that. So in many areas, you could find a, a more clinically um, attuned um, contributions that do ask about that. Um, but uh, I think part of my concern was that uh, uh, death is not uh, posed as a question on a more general level. I mean, the, the, you can find um, where, wherever there is a specific population that is concerned about death, like, you know, the, 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 the seriously ill or those who uh, lost uh, somebody uh, and are mourning, etc., so you have um, some, uh, you, you have um, attention to death in theory, but the thing is that death is not a problem only to those who 
just lost somebody or are seriously ill. I mean, we are all going to die one day, even if we are healthy and did not lose anyone. And so, and we know that, and we know that from a very young age and that, and, and, and so I think the, the, the problem, when I say death is not addressed, I mean, it's not addressed as a general uh, psychological issue. So, uh, um, okay. And, and now uh, with regard to Freud, I think uh, this is also a, a way to, you know, to uh, counter my, uh, my general argument. Uh, there is in Freud a lot of uh, of uh, attention to death that is um, that is uh, unique and interesting, and uh, and you could feel. I mean, whereas uh, you could feel in Freud, you can feel him moving between these positions. Uh, it it has to do with his uh, um, medical background, but I think um, uh, there is the what he really. Uh, thinks I th- and, and what he allows himself to say theoretically. This is also reflected in the, in the fact that um, in his personal life, he was completely obsessed with that. I mean, completely, you know, the, these uh, calculations about the age is going to die. And, and, and John says in, the, in his biography that Freud parted with people at the age of 40 saying goodbye, I might never see you again, mm-hmm. that he had attacks of, 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 uh, of, of severe death anxiety every day of his life. So it's not that, oh, shit, I, uh, sorry, I just never thought about it. He did think about it, and he was, and you can find in his, in his personal letters and also in all the cultural uh, papers like the two I mentioned before, like uh, Totem and Taboo, like um, The Uncanny, in all these cultural papers that where it's not, you know, producing psychonic theory, you could find a lot of attention to death. And then what, what happens is whenever he's, he, he, he has a more clinically oriented paper or a more psychonic uh, theory paper, uh, it's, it's forgotten and reduced in the ways that I talked about. And then some in some interesting places you could just see these uh, these points alternating. Uh, one in, I tried to show in my book about one place. This is the thoughts for the times and war and death. This is the the one the one article. You know, it's like twenty pages, and you can see the the um, ver- uh, there are pages there that uh, others say that are are like you you get all of Heidegger on death in in, in three pages in Freud. And then you have uh, uh, statements that that uh, do exactly the opposite and say it's it's not important and should be reduced to something else and doesn't have any unconscious manifestation. And the two positions kind of undermine each other. I mean, the, the text. Uh, if you if you take him seriously, you can you can hardly read the text. And another place which is interesting, I find, is the interpretation of dreams, uh, where uh, contrary to what Freud says, I think. There is uh, a very uh, constant and obsessive, almost presence of death in the book, in Freud's own dreams. I mean, you just you, you, there, it's everywhere death, yeah. and uh, yeah. it's in, if you and if you want to understand uh, the interpretation of dreams, you kind of have to 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 acknowledge that. And so, the, if I take this just as a clinical example, so the one clinical example, the most important one, the, the interpretation of dreams, for its own dreams, are saturated with death. Mm-hmm. And so it's also, for me, uh, um, it points out the need to, to, to bring it back into the theory, not to just let it, you know, um, show itself uh, when you try to avoid it, but just, you know, uh, acknowledge it and, and try to think about it and, 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 and ask 
what would be a psychoanalytically um, uh, a psychoanalytic position on death uh, that will not be just you know dismissing it well, how could uh, psychoanalysis understand this right it's everywhere it's everywhere in 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 the theory you say in in a way that is a problem that doesn't kind of go beyond its um, oppressive presence it's this oppression that's just kind of th- there it's it's just kind of it's just kind of always there um, I think something that positions you in a very unique way to approach um, psychoanalytic conceptions of death is that you're approaching it from a kind of combination of a, a combination of different fields when I kind of reached this point in reading your book um, where I felt like I was encountering that same kind of oppression just because um, it's it's always coming up against the coming up against the concept of death is difficult coming up against somebody else's concept of death is difficult this is this is something that I experience um, in in reading Freud just like you point out um, it's something I experience in in my life on a personal level um, and it's certainly something that that comes up when you read any text on on death. I asked you to kind of give me give me some other texts that would speak to this speak to this point um, in a different way, same point, different way. And you, and you gave me a paper um, that I thought was really interesting. It looks at, as you noted in um, our email exchange, the more literary and philosophical dimensions of of the idea, and it spoke to a very particular. Sp- piece of your of your book that deals with the peculiar nature of sacrifice in addressing this concern of death. Um, there's a way in which in in sacrifice we can elevate the experience of death to the level of, of the symbolic. We we look at the concrete reality of death and confront it in a way that allows us to incorporate it into into life more on its level. Would you say that that's, am I picking up on what you're saying in, in, in that section or am I missing something? I think that that was, I was drawn very much to thinking about sacrifice as reinterpreting the concrete. Well, uh, yeah, you're referring to a paper I wrote about uh, Freud and uh, Georges Bataille, the French yes. sociologist and the uh, author. Um, that uh, in that paper, uh, I mean, it's published a few years ago. But in that paper, I uh, I try to um, do, to compare a certain paradox that they both uh, find with regard to death, uh, namely what uh, that Freud says that uh, we cannot imagine death because whenever we do so, we are still there as spectators. Therefore, we never really imagine death because we imagine death while alive. And um, Bataille is concerned that whenever we uh, think about uh, uh, that we can, um, that, that we are only completely aware of death, in, of death when we die, so we cannot be aware of death. It's a kind of an, a Hegelian French uh, uh, paradox that you can find in, in Blanchot and Lyris and Bataille and others. But so for Bataille, sacrifice is a kind of way to, it's a way to, that allows us to think about death in a concrete way without dying. And uh, this is the, exactly the question. How can we integrate in, it into psychic thought? 
uh, into into our life, not in, uh, so feel it actually. And he proposes sacrifice, but I, I really think that sacrifice is not a position. Is not something that you know now is is of interest for us. But in that same uh, uh, comparison of Freud and Bataille, there is there's possibility of theater, and, uh, and there are other possibilities. I think. Mostly, the, the thing is that uh, death. It, it sh- what should be maintained is that death is not. Um, it, it should not be read on the on the abstract level. You know, I sometimes feel that whenever like the the actually thinks that only existential philosophers fear death. He has in quite a few places when he speaks about death, he, he has this thing against philosophers, like here the philosophers are thinking too philosophically or the high sounding phrase every fear of, is the fear of death, it has hardly any meaning, so this high sounding, this philosopher thing whereas psychoanalysis would address the, the, the concrete um, um, but I think there is, there is hardly something more anything more concrete than death in our lives and it's death is not a problem for existential philosophers it's it's a problem for everyone and the only question is how can we address that when i i just maybe two more sentences when i okay when i i think in um i leave this article that you mentioned now just to say that i think what i try to 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 offer towards the end is that I, I, I have no quarrel with Freud's idea that it's very hard for us to think about death and that uh, that cannot really be part of the unconscious. I just think this is not a reason to rule it out and to say, okay, well, it's not there, but to say, well, you know, there is this thing that we just can't grapple with. We can't just can't take it in, cannot understand it. It remains an absurd, paradoxical thing that we know that we are not able to think through and I think this produces anxiety and produces psychic work to try to overcome this to try to 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 and I think I, I try to, to show a little bit how this could also be seen in Freud's own um, uh, writing but but uh, uh, um, I mean the fact that we cannot uh, get something more concrete does not mean that it it, it that it has no importance right um the interesting thing that I'm kind of noting in thinking about um, sacrifice as a kind of theater, it raises, it raises the possibility of theater, um, is that as a solution to dealing with death's most concrete aspects, what we do in, in sacrifice, and if we're going to think about sacrifice as structuring a relationship to death, um, that can be repeated maybe in different ways that allow us to take the concrete up into our lives in, in a meaningful way that functions. Um, we're, we're taking, we're taking a thing, a concrete, real thing, and we're putting it in the context of theater, which is the context of the symbolic. It is a, it's a place where real life is represented it's acted out in a kind of play. Um, that confuses me a little bit when, when we're trying to talk about the concrete element of death, we deal with this in sacrifice on the most concrete level. And yet again, I find that we're up against a wall with the same paradox of these two elements and the way that they displace one another. Um, 
I think maybe the problem is less, I mean, um, I think it's less about this symbolic, but more about identification. What Bataille recognizes, and I just for the listeners, I make clear that all this Bataille discussion is not part of the book. I mean, the book is only uh, dealing with psychoanalytic thought. Yes. But uh, the, the, the thing is that um, uh, Bataille believes that uh, in in sacrificing, we are we can both observe death and identify with the one who dies and this can happen also in theater there is the question of identification and identification is the one possible answer on how to make it uh, palpable how to make it how to be able to think of it in a way that would be relevant to us but i also also think that there are other ways and uh, i just uh, um i think um I, I want to give maybe one example i think freud's search uh, for uh, a, 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 an unconscious representation, the, the word representation comes out a lot uh, 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 of death. Uh, was uh, it was uh, it was uh, looking in the wrong place? I think I, uh, uh, I try to show, for example, that uh, death uh, is uh, is part of psychic life in the way it influences, biases, and transforms and, and informs many other questions and concerns that we have. And to illustrate that, I, I, I in, in remaining in the concrete, I, I address um, many of Freud's own concerns about ambition in, in his dreams, in the interpretation of dreams. There are so many um, concerns about, you know, being a professor and 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 rivalry and uh, and and narcissistic issues and and you know publishing his book and is so much. This is probably the mid, mo, uh, the central concern of the book. And in all these places, uh, 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 in all these dreams and associations where, where ambition comes up, it's always with regard to death. It's not whether I'll be a professor, but whether I'll be a professor before I'll die. Mm-hmm. And it's not whether I'll publish this work, but whether I'll publish this thing that can give me a form of immortality. Yes. And there's sort of a race between him and death. So, so just to take this one question of ambition, uh, every projection of oneself into the future, every uh, 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 sort of uh, comparison like this has is informed in a way by death. And this is also about uh, ambivalence and about uh, uh, many sexual issues and narcissistic issues. So, it the, it is not that we have our psychic life uh, and then there is also the question of death somewhere there with or without representation, but rather that everything that is uh, circulating within our minds is already informed by our transience, by, by our knowledge of our finitude. Okay. Um, so when, when we raise this question about um, sacrifice and the possibility of the theater in allowing us to do something different to death, you you express that what it allows us to do is identify. Um, So it's not that there's some sort of symbolic structuring. It's that there's in the structure of the theater, there's the possibility for an identification. Um, I see something similar in your example about the relation between Freud's ideas about ambition or his feelings about ambition and his feelings about death, that there's a way in which he's trying to escape the limit of himself. He's trying to escape the limit of um, the, the inevitable fatality of his existence and live on. Um, 
I would almost say just kind of the way that I'm imagining this in my mind, I'm kind of imagining a picture of there being a self on one side of death and a self on the other side of death. And that in structuring this ambitious goal of living on as some kind of, you know, philosophical thinker or as as a professor with a legacy, it's thinking about oneself on a kind of stage where you're identifying with the self that doesn't die. Um, do you have anything to kind of say to say to that? I'm just, that's just what I'm, that's what's on my mind as I'm listening to you. Um, well, I think that there is, I mean, uh, there are places where there is disbelief. I mean, people that think about death without really thinking that they will not be, I mean, I mean uh, um, probably it's the case for some um, cases of suicide, suicide, etc. Um, yeah. I don't know that what I'm thinking is that the person, the person in the identification with the self that lives on is doing so in an identification that nonetheless acknowledges death. Um, whether or not that is or is not the case, I'm saying that what happens in in the imagining of the self as immortal, as living on, what happens in that imagining, whether you're acknowledging death or not, is this kind of identification with the self as another, similarly as one would identify with a player on a stage um, or with some kind of sacrifice. I think, I, I mean, I, I, I think that um, um, that I would again. I just trying to. I think it's better to maybe to leave out this this um, this um, idea of identification because I think many times the, the the problem is really more of that of a lack. How to think a lack? How to think something that is absent? Uh, that was also my concern in writing the book. How to you know to talk about something that is missing from the theory, but is is also. Uh, every one of us's own problem. How to think in something that is unimaginable? I mean, it's impossible to think in a way of, of the world without you. In in, in a way, in, in a strong way. In, in this, Freud is right. But I think we have many, many um, ways that uh, to be reminded of this of this in everyday life. And I think uh, uh, we're running out of time. I think clinicians. Um, should also be aware of that. I mean, just, you know, like when you, uh, I give the example, you know, you, you're driving in your car, it's the, 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 the road is wet. You, you, you sleep for a second, you, 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 you lose control, but then you regain control. But, you know, so uh, you, 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 something did happen. I mean, uh, um, and there are many, you know, everyday situations like this, when you do get a grip, a grasp for one second of what could be. And uh, the fact that uh, it's not only that, uh, uh, that it's, you know, an abstract issue, it's a frightful issue. So well, there is a lot of repression going on in persons and uh, in, in, among analysts too. So the question is whether, I mean, uh, sometimes people say, well, you know, it doesn't come up in therapy, so, you know, what do you want? It just doesn't come up. Where well, I think, uh, you know, we're not, um, uh, we're not looking for things that are, um, uh, that are only expressed uh, 
And clearly, we are, you know, we, we would look for hidden sources of gratification. We will look for the aggression when we can find it for, for sexual issues, etc., and for overtones. And, 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 and I think this is, um, uh, we need to develop the ear to, to, to hear about uh, the, the very delicate ways in which uh, death concerns do influence our, uh, our life and, and the life of, of patients. I kind of wanted to come back to a point that you had made about um, the complicated relationship between the uniqueness of death it's universality, so there's a way in which it's completely it's completely unique, and yet it's completely universal. It's completely um, it's it's one thing that is present in every single one of our lives, in to a certain extent um, that that is exactly the same, um, and yet that we have no way of thinking about it because of this bizarre this this bizarreness. Um, there's. A, a quote that I wanted to just read because I think it, it touches really nicely on something that we've been talking about. You write that death is completely irreducible to a list of properties, but if we do list some, several appear to be peculiar to death. Death is not just annihilation in some general sense and is not an event like other possible events. It is also a singular one-time event, which we are certain will come, yet usually do not know when. It involves the flow of time and signifies it at any moment. It is not a future event and a permanent presence. Throwing death together with other psychic elements, even in a sincere attempt to explain it, involves beyond reduction or perhaps as as an aspect of it, a blurring of uniqueness. I think that that quote just kind of brings together a lot of the things that we're talking about here, um, about these, about, about the bizarre nature of it and the way that it's prone to slippage in the way that we think. Um, when you say that we acknowledge yeah. death, you even say we acknowledge it for a moment, like a fleeting moment. Yeah. I think w- what I was trying to address uh, there, I think, uh, is that the, uh, uh, there is an attempt. I mean, w- okay, well, if I have a general point that uh, uh, death is reduced to other psychoanalytic issues like death wishes, like separation, castration, and... Um, and um, stuff like that so uh, on the one hand it's understandable because we want to understand it in the terms that we do have but uh, the problem is that you 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 kind of lose lose sight of what you wanted originally to explain and uh, and uh, and 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 i think uh, there is a uniqueness to death that should be acknowledged in itself one um one specific difficulty that is, I think, very problematic to psychoanalysis is the question of imminence, the fact that death could come at any moment. So what, what I'm saying is that if, you, if, if a theory, any theory, addresses uh, a, a, a phenomenon and leaves out central aspects of this phenomenon, then, then the explanation it supplies is not sufficient. And I think in many, I could see that in many psychoanalytic explanations, also, you know, in, I, I, sh- I show that in Erickson and in, in, in others, uh, I mean, the, again, the book goes uh, beyond Freud and, and this with many other annals, that the, uh, uh, for psychoanalysis, in a way, death is something that is, is yet to come, but life will go its full circle before that. So death is, is uh, death is uh, uh, you leave, you, you, you have your entire life to live, and then you die. Whereas the 
the, 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 the basic problem with that is that you could die tomorrow. You know, a piano can fall over on us now as we speak. That's interesting. You could be, you know, uh, 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 terminated now by, and, and this is, this is part of the problem we grapple with as human beings. And this is a problem that theory should, should handle. That is not problem of the, of the yield or, and of the, of the old. It's a problem for everyone. And, and, uh, that's why I think the theory should, 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 uh, should understand the phenomena that it wishes to, to, to understand, uh, to understand deeply what, what is it about death that is so troublesome for us. Well, you said it was very interesting there that the way that death is thought of psychoanalytically is that you live your whole life and then you die, not you live your whole life with the threat of death impending at any moment. Can you speak to that a little bit? About how that, about how, what you mean yeah, when you I say that that's, that that's a psychoanalytic interpretation. Uh, yeah. Well, well, can I see it? Uh, you could just see it, uh, you know, even even in in uh, I don't know in in the death drive uh, that the Freud has this uh, this peculiar uh, claim that uh, one dies one own one's own way that the organism wishes to die in its own way, therefore rejecting other possibilities of death. And this is one place where you can see that. But let's just talk about Erickson for a second because Erickson was the first person um, to. To, to, to speak about death anxiety as a, a problem for psycho, as a, as a, as a problem uh, in psychic life. But he does speak only, only for the very old, in the last, uh, in the eighth uh, 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 phase, there is the, you, you either see your life in a more uh, positive way and then you get integration and stuff, or you, you get despair and death anxiety. But, uh, and I, I have much to say about this, but one thing is that uh, uh, Erickson, in a way, uh, supposes that only dead people, only uh, old people die. Now, uh, again, the thing to explain is that young people can die too, uh, and that it's a it's constant possibility. The, the, this is this is the, the nothing is assured. I mean, there is no time of life that is assured for every one of us, um, and the, and uh, so yeah. Okay. So there are some um, there are some psychoanalysts who are. I, I, you you do bring Lacan up at one point in your book, and um, the the way in which he kind of does the symbolic restructuring in that kind of school of thought, the um, the argument would be that death is the way in experiencing a death is the way in which one becomes a human subject. It's not that you live your life and then you die; it's that you die first. You have to experience this kind of symbolic death in order to live. Is that just this bizarre reversal for you in, in, in this problem? Whose school of thought is that for you? Uh, uh, well, in, I would interpret um, the Freudian Oedipus through a Lacanian lens as being, as castration being a kind of death. Um, you, have to, you have to be castrated. You have to experience a symbolic death in order to enter your life as a, as a, as a subject with desire. Some, some Lacanian psychoanalysts would interpret castration in that way. I think uh, Lacanians are, uh, are, uh, 
are for me a bit the exception. I mean, there are there are a few exceptions, and I think the Lacanians are are certainly a group that is much where death is really figures much more centrally in their discussion. Um, another central uh, exception would probably be uh, uh, relational uh, psychoanalysis today, uh, where you can see much more attention to to death. Uh, but um, um, uh, yeah, I, 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 I kind of uh, agree with that. I just think that uh, uh, the thing is, what, what does one mean by castration? I mean, if you, uh, I think from in, in many in many psychoanalytic texts on death, the, the just bringing uh, death down to castration is the end of the story. I mean, that is the solution that we can go on. So uh, how to expand this thing? Well, you know, it's a form of, it's, a, it's just a variation of castration. Let's speak about castration. We, uh, like that is the important issue. Uh, and I just think, I mean, if you understand it in a very large way, like you just said, I mean, probably I won't have much problem with that, but I think... Uh, what I don't want uh, is that to be reduced to other issues. That's so, so we are approaching the end of the interview. We have about six more minutes or so left to speak. And I would like to try to br- pick up on a couple of the different elements that we've been talking about. We've been talking about this, this, this problematic and thinking about death, um, how it's concrete and abstract and how these two elements kind of, kind of make it prone to slipping. Um, and then we also speak about uh, sacrifice as allowing you to come face to face with the concrete element of death in a sort of abstract representation that allows you to t- identify with the death on on almost a personal level. The self doesn't escape the acknowledgement. And then we speak about castration through a Lacanian kind of conception as as maybe dealing with this in a different way would you if you if you take the the concept of castration in terms of uh the structure of the self in relationship to the self or in relationship to the other would you position this in a similar way as as sacrifice would you say that something about that structure evokes the possibility of theater I I'm not sure. I mean, I I have uh, some difficulty in locating myself in what you say. I mean, there is. Okay. I, I I think. I mean, you can find um, in um, a few people that uh, were concerned uh, about uh, the problem of death and specifically with the uh, psychoanalytic approach to it, like uh, uh, Ernst Becker in his uh, book Denial of Death. This is really a great book. Uh, denial of death and uh, maybe uh, Norman Brown in Life Against Death and uh, and um, and some other people you could find uh, uh, sh- uh, ways in which uh, basic psychoanalytic terms are reinterpreted in a more uh, let's say ex- existential spirit and they s- deal specifically with castration and with uh, 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 and with other uh, um, um, concerns Psychoanalytic concerns, just to to um, to, to show the, the the existential facet of it. 
Um, what maybe maybe one thing that I could uh, say that I think is interesting is that uh, the entire um, um, when when you look in the, the interpretation of dreams, for example, and uh, you could see that uh, the, the the theme of Oedipus, for example, and the theme of uh, rivalry and and uh, and, uh, and, uh, and and self love in children, like very fundamental themes for psychoanalysis are actually introduced as part of a discussion on death. It's a discussion of death of others in dreams. Right. So for Freud, there is this reverse move of, you know, like trying to understand why, I mean, this, this uh, peculiar issue of death of others in dreams. And through that, he arrives in, in, in what turns out to be the, the, the very basic terms of psychoanalysis. Right, um, which is why I which is why I draw this relationship between um, sacrifice as having an element of theater and castration as having an element of theater as well. The dream space that you're talking about um, that's that's viewing viewing the self as an other in theater. When we identify with somebody on a stage, when we identify with the death of some sort of sacrificial animal in some sort of sacrificial play act. We are identifying as the self with an other. The self can be kind of present in there in a different way. It can experience the loss um, in a different way. But it, it is important to say that Freud does also uh, point out and how ingenious we are in rejecting that possibility of identification. For example, that uh, in the beginning of Thoughts for the Times, it says that when you know when other people die. What, and this is an occasion where we could possibly, you know, like yeah, the death could come up as an issue. So we we are um, uh, we find many ways to to reject that possibility. That right. It's, it, it has to do with us too, you know. Uh, Why, you know, uh, this one was ill and that one had an accident. When it happens, you know what? And 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 and, and it's it's a way that we we avoid thinking of death. Uh, uh, so uh, even when the occasion for identification comes up, we, we, we tend to reject it in a way. Um, um, I think uh, uh, when you, you, you mentioned uh, theater a couple of times, but Freud specifically uh, rejects also that possibility. He says in theater, people die every day, and you know uh, the, the actors. But uh, and when we go there, we just you know we go there to find out that we are still alive. Uh, we just, you know, we, we need to feel alive. Uh, we don't, uh, uh, we don't identify uh, with them. Uh, I think uh, maybe uh, much later developments in psychoanalysis could also uh, point it out in ways in which, uh, you know, maybe uh, ways in which uh, some fundamental emptiness or uh, or. Um, um, difficulty, like a fear of, of annihilation, of breakdown within us, could could reflect a, a more a fundamental uh, a grasp of the of the of the psyche of, of this possibility of annihilation. Um, um, it seems that this is sort of um, almost a necessity, and I would wonder. In closing the interview, we can um, kind of bring the conversation. Uh, to a close on this sort of essential kind of point, this essential problematic, which is we're alive. What do we do? What do we do with the oppressive, with the oppressive presence of death? Um, 
We what, live all, we live every single day with the fundamental inescapable reality that, as you say, death can happen at any moment. And yet we must, it, 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 it's, it's kind of as I'm, as I'm hearing, you know, this conversation about like death's presence, I'm almost like a little afraid. <laughs> um, mm. Yeah. We, we must get around that almost in order to, in order to go on. If we, we must get around that in some way. Yeah. I think, I think, uh, uh, the, 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 the acknowledgement of death and, uh, and even the anxiety is not the end of the story in a way. I think it's, it's, it's part of our, of our life. Also in the sense that this is, part of what gives value to life. And this, I, I, I must uh, bring Freud again, because he, I mean, the, part of the, the interesting things he did have to say about that is related exactly to this. Um, in his paper on transience, which is really superb, in just three pages, you know, he speaks about uh, uh, the, the, the role of finitude exactly in giving value to our life, in making us appreciate life. Uh, and he says the transience value is scarcity value in time, like things that are scarce are more valuable. So things that are transient are vo- more valuable. And also in uh, Thoughts for the Times, he also um, says that uh, uh, the not thinking of that uh, has the consequence of, of uh, making life shallow in a way, uh, whereas acknowledging the, the risk and, uh, to life, that, 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 that life is, is, is a fragile thing, is part of what intensifies life. So I think, uh, and, and there are many other ways to, 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 to speak about this and to show this, but I think this is, maybe we can just remain with this point that is a, a, a very uh, significant contribution of, of Freud to uh, thinking about death, that... Uh, um, uh, it's it, we, we value our life more when we uh, when we are aware of the fact that it's transient. Yeah, I think that that's um, an optimistic point to land on on a personal note, but also um, a useful point to end on um, to try and we can identify all of these ways in which death is closed in um, psychoanalytic thought, and yet there has to be a possibility for it in order for, in order for it to continue in a way that can do something meaning, meaningful. Um, so I feel like that's a, that's a good place for uh, listeners to kind of think about the way in which in encountering, encountering the book in this impossibility that you identify, there is, there is a way, there is a way for something else to happen. All right. Well, um, thank you so much for your time, Liron. Thank you. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.